0: Welcome to Tech Live. Stephanie Christopher here, CEO of The Executive Connection. We connect leaders with a trusted network of people who help them succeed. This is a virtual podcast in that you've got to put your virtual headset on and pretend that you're in the same room as Stephanie right now. Stephanie, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm good, Leah. I mean, it it doesn't seem that long ago that you were saying it's so great to be back in the studio. Yeah, and I spoke too I'm soon. Back in my own personal home studio, in inverted commas. Yeah. Well, it's nice to see you anyway. And what are you talking about? Who's the guest this week? So, we've got a great guest this week, Trudy McDonald, uh, second time round, invited back to Tech Live. Trudy is a, a multiple award winning keynote speaker, a presenter, and a founder and MD of Talent Code which is a national strategic human resource consulting business. Trudy is passionate about people and about making businesses great by improving the performance and productivity of teams. Trudy McDonald, welcome to Tech Live. Thank you, Stephanie. It's great to be back. So right now I'm hearing a lot from small businesses, from businesses everywhere,
1: about a talent shortage. What's going on? Stephanie, this is the hot topic on the um, tips of most CEOs tongues at the moment. Number one, I can't find the people that I need. Number two, my current people are being poached and offered ridiculous money. And number three, what am I going to do about this? Because our business is growing and thriving and we need more talent. So it's a big issue at the moment. So why is there a talent shortage right now?
0: Because You look at the news every night and people are being laid off from whole industries.
1: Mm, Absolutely. Look, I'm not sure that any of us really expected this, but COVID's obviously had an impact. So it's impacting industries differently. However, some of the themes that I'm hearing are as follows. The first is, as we know, there's less immigrants coming into Australia and, of course, that's impacting all industries. It's impacting legal firms. It's impacting... um, some of the production workers, it's impacting fruit pickers, it's impacting hospitality. So so straight away there's less available talent in the market. The, the second thing I'm seeing is based on what happened about a year ago when we started to have lockdowns and particularly in hospitality mm. and retail, a lot of people have actually moved out of the sector. So I'm hearing that a lot of chefs, for example, have just given up being chefs and then they've gone into other industries. So there's some real real talent shortages in some industries. The third thing I'm hearing, and I'm not sure that any of us expected this, but most Australian businesses are thriving right now. They're growing. They actually need more people just to keep up with the pace of growth. The final one, which I think, and this is a really interesting one for me, is most people are just exhausted. They've had enough. They've had enough of the lockdowns. They've had enough of these... The, the pressure that's coming from the, the way the world's operating right now and they just need a break and what I'm starting to hear from a lot of leaders is people are just resigning without necessarily anywhere else to go because they just need a break and I think that's really interesting because as a leader there's a lot we can do to prevent that.
0: So much to uh, unpack there. I think if you are doing what we have talked to businesses about doing on Tech Live and in webinars and you've been part of it. Yeah. And that's look at your strategy, how can you be disruptive? 12 months ago when we were so cute, naive, thinking this year would be different, we were talking about build back better and what does that look like. Yeah. And I think there's nothing more disheartening for a leader than to put in the effort to come up with a really strong growth strategy And then that is absolutely predicated on bringing in new people. Yes. How often are you finding that
1: as an issue? All the time, Stephanie. All yeah. the time. And it's, it's really disheartening. And in an environment where people are leaving, yeah. it's putting more pressure on the people who are staying. Yeah. So you've, you've got this vicious cycle that organisations are finding themselves in.
0: So let's start with that situation. Mm. you know I'm a leader of a small mid-sized business I've done a lot of work on my strategy I'm so excited about where we can take this business yeah and uh we say you know uh quarter two quarter two of this financial year so starting in October we're going to go into this new market doing this new thing
1: Mm.
0: how am I going to go about finding that special person who will be able to take me into that direction
1: yeah, yeah, and and that's the position most businesses are finding themselves in. So let me let me talk about how great businesses are starting to rethink talent attraction mm-hmm. because I think we all got a little bit lazy and a bit complacent previously. Yeah. We could put a job app up on Seek and we'd be inundated with applicants. And in fact, the problem that we had was how do we filter through the volume? Yeah, how do you screen and yeah, Abs- absolutely. That's no longer the case. And in fact, Seek came out in March. And their statistics show that in March they had more jobs posted on their board than they had ever had in the history of the business. So I think that's pretty telling in terms of what's really happening in the market. So now if you put a job ad up on seek, you're going to get very few applicants. And I think more importantly, they're not necessarily the people that you need moving forward. Because the interesting thing is, as you know, when you put a job ad out there, the people who are applying are the people who are actively looking for jobs. And in this market, organisations are doing everything they can to hang on to their best people. So straight away, we're not getting access to the best people, but it's the best people we need to be executing on our strategies in Mm. our business.
0: Do you know what I'm finding? People who are massively overqualified for a job Mm. applying for the job. Yes. And you know that that's that's going to be
1: the wrong fit. That rarely, well, it doesn't work. Yeah, Um, that's right, and and you've got to wonder in that case what are they running away from if, yeah. if they're moving to a whole different job. So so here's what organisations are doing: they're they're taking a, a lot of the learnings that have come out of marketing mm-hmm. and really applying them to talent attraction. So the first thing is m- many organisations will be familiar with the concept of creating a customer persona. So what does my ideal customer look like? And and let's. Profile them holistically. How old are they? What do they enjoy? If you take that concept and apply it to your applicants, you mm-hmm. can create applicant personas. So, yeah. if I take the example of a business who's looking for an engineer, they may mm-hmm. say, okay, the ideal person is 35 to 40 years old. They're educated, they've got a young family, They're, they've probably got their first home and they've got a mortgage. Um, they're interested in learning development all of those kinds of things so so that's step number one really understand the person that you're trying to attract and then the second step from there is put yourself into that person's shoes imagine you are them and ask yourself what's the dream job now if I go to that example you may start to think about things such as you know what? If I could coach my son's soccer team of a Friday afternoon, which is at four o'clock, that would be amazing. That would be a game changer for me. Or if I could have access to world-leading thought leaders in the yeah. area of this engineering field who can mentor me and help me really develop my career, that would be pretty cool. So I think once you put yourself into the shoes of that ideal person start to ask yourself what the dream job is Mm -hmm. you start to get what's to what's referred to as an employee value proposition which Mm -hmm. is just jargon for why would great people want to come and work for our business Mm -hmm. now once you get your head around that I think then the really challenging question is to ask yourself how can we make this happen and if we're not doing these things why not and and really to challenge some of your thinking because once you can actually package up what it is that you can offer these ideal candidates, the final step is turn your job ads on their head. So previously, a lot of organizations would put job ads out there that are very customer, sorry, very company-centric. Very internal and talking about yeah. it, the way you talk about the role. That's it. This is what we need. It's all about us, us, us. We've got to turn that completely upside down. So once you've got that unique value proposition, you've got to sing it from the rooftops. And that may be through doing some really compelling videos to help people feel the connection around what it's like to work for your company or your mentoring programs or the the flexibility that you'll provide or whatever that looks like. Um, But singing it from the rooftops and that needs to be engaged through every step of the recruitment process whether it be the ad, whether it be the first interview, whether it be when you get them in front of other members of the team. So getting the right message out there is a key part of the journey. But there's another really important step, which is where do these ideal applicants hang out? Yeah. And they're not hanging out on seek. They're not looking for jobs in their lunch break. So starting to be really creative around that. I've, I've got some organisations we work with, they They approach local sporting clubs because they know that's where the target applicants are going to be. I've got another client who's actually set up their own forum on LinkedIn whereby they're attracting young people Mm. who want to engage in, in industry conversation, building relationships with them, and then tapping them on the shoulder to say, hey, do you want to come and work for us after they've started to engage them in meaningful content.
0: Isn't that clever? So building your own talent pool, which was a absolutely conversation 10 years ago. Yeah. I like the learning for talent professionals yes. to learn from marketing. And my experience over many years with talent professionals, that's a real shift. Absolutely. From this is how we do it, this is what you'd need to do to be even considered to work here. Yes. What you're talking about is a complete paradigm shift.
1: Yeah, it's, it's about the value proposition. And, you know, another another really killer interview question that can help lock down talent and, and close the deal with those key, key people is, is to ask people, beyond this job, what's your next job? Yeah. And, and most people don't, don't expect to be asked that. But if you can get them to start to articulate where they see themselves going beyond this job, if you can then very authentically offer to help them build the capabilities whilst in this job that are going to set them up for the next job, whether it be at this business or somewhere else, they're sold because what you're doing is you're, you're building a future for them and that's pretty hard to turn back. Now, the pretty cool thing about all this way of thinking is when you're competing against silly money and I'm hearing examples of, you know, pretty average people being offered $40,000 more to move business. Is that right? Absolutely. And that's the kind of thing that's going on. You can't compete with that. And, in fact, it, it's not commercial to try and compete with that, particularly in terms of base salary. What we need to do is think more holistically around what really motivates people mm. and if you can get to the heart of that, and it's got to be relevant for those specific applicants that you're attracting because it's going to be different, for different yes. populations in the market then you can really tap into something that's going to going to help you with this problem.
0: I'm finding um, that a conversation about learning at this organisation, you will learn a lot about business uh, yeah. and you learn it day to day from the people who are actually running businesses. Yeah. But that discussion about learning I'm finding very compelling. Yeah. And it fits in with what you're saying, Trudy, about let's get you ready for the next job, which is disarming also.
1: Absolutely, absolutely, and it shows that you're really investing in them. So, so Stephanie, that leads me to the same side of the coin, which is, what are we doing to retain? Yeah, I was going to say that because if everyone's trying
0: to poach the people, as someone did try to poach one of my best people recently, yes, uh, how can you make sure that you're keeping them?
1: Yeah, that's that's right. So, so there's a few different things here, and. Great organisations are doing these things anyway, but I think it's a bit of a wake-up call for organisations who have become a little bit complacent around this. So the first thing is getting right back to the core of what motivates us as humans Mm -hmm. to to want to do a great job and to want to be part of a community, and that community is your your work community. So there's there's a number of different buckets here. Let me talk about culture. Mm -hmm. Let me talk about, as you mentioned, development and investing in people and... Then the third one is remuneration because I think it's worth a conversation around some of the changes that are happening in that space. Um, so if we start with culture right at the heart of who we are as humans, we want to feel valued and we want to feel appreciated. Yes. So what I'm seeing with a lot of organisations is there's a real need to upskill leaders and managers at all levels mm. around how to effectively, effectively motivate and engage in the current environment which is disrupted it's disjointed it's hybrid it's remote many of them don't have the skills to do that Mm. so how do we catch people doing good things how do we give meaningful feedback in a way that people feel supported Mm. and how do we create meaningful connections between people in our teams
0: and I think more than ever as leaders it's being in touch with how you are managing and dealing with an environment right now. Yes. Because I am seeing some leaders falling into the trap of perhaps being so internally aware of what they may be finding difficult that they're assuming people around them are. Yes. Or or you are finding things difficult but you need to have a role of galvanising those around you because everyone can't fall into a hole together on the same day.
1: Yeah, that's, that's right. So we're doing a lot of resilience training with organisations. Mm. We're helping leaders understand how to create resilient teams. And a lot of this is about connection. So I think a really useful way of thinking about this is when people are physically together in the workplace, what happens? What are our ways of working? And how is it different when we're remote? Mm. And, and the obvious difference is we're not connecting as yes. much. So the the ad hoc sharing of information and connection isn't happening. What some organisations are trying, but it's not working so well, is they're setting up, you know, Friday drinks via Zoom. I think most people are a little bit over that. And and what's happening is when you've got 20 people on a Zoom call trying to talk over each other and the dominant people dominate, people start to disengage. The really powerful things that we've seen happen, and, and this links to the second point, which is what are you doing to invest in your people? Because when you invest in them from a development perspective, you're actually giving them a sense of future. You're you're building their careers that's giving them future earning capability, but it's actually really building their sense of worth and self-esteem and and how they can contribute to do meaningful work. So we're doing a lot in the space of leadership development at the moment, and one of the most effective things we've found in terms of engaging and retaining talent is beyond workshops which need to happen is to create cross-functional pods. What I mean by that is is small groups that come together from across the organisation, often they're teams coming together from different divisions or if you're in different geographic areas, bringing them together and facilitating a process where they're engaging in meaningful conversation and meaningful connection. So it's the difference between having drinks, which everyone's a little bit over, to smaller groups, meaningful, purposeful conversation. And even beyond the life of these programs that we're running, we're hearing from team members, let's keep doing this because now I'm feeling connected. Now we're sharing ideas. Now we're innovating and learning from each other. And I think we can't underestimate how powerful that is for people and and how impactful it will be on retention.
0: I like what you're talking about there, Trudy, because I think in this in these times, there's something about being intentional mm. about what the model is. Yes. That that last year 2020 was very reactive. Everyone oh. home. Yes. That's fine. We've survived it. Off we go.
1: Yeah.
0: This year was seeing hybrid and, and a return to a physical workplace and in some areas in Australia, yeah. um, particularly in Sydney, it, it's going to be a remote workforce for the medium term. And, and I think it's important for leaders to be very clear and, and put some thought into what the model is rather Absolutely. than just assuming that we're just all on hold waiting to get back to what.
1: That's right. We can't afford to do that. And and this is where we're seeing burnout and this is where we're seeing people being open to other opportunities where they wouldn't have been previously because they've just had enough and and they're looking for a change. So, Stephanie, I really like that. What what are our intentional ways of working that Mm. are going to really take the culture to the next level, engage people, create meaningful opportunities to collaborate and, and to do meaningful work? Yes. Really, really powerful.
0: And so finally, let's talk money. Mm. What you said you're seeing some new things with REM strategies. What are you seeing?
1: Yeah, yeah. So, so there's a few things here. And, and I think when we're in this kind of environment, the cracks start to appear with organisations if they haven't had a good solid system in place. So I'm, I'm hearing and seeing all sorts of things. Some of them are <laughs> horror stories. Some of them are organisations are starting to do it well. But I think that the overriding themes here are this, that salaries are increasing at the Uh moment across the board. I'm not sure how long that's going to last for. What goes up must come down. The reality is this is what most leaders are facing at the moment. There are opportunities out there in the market to earn more money than what they're paying their people currently. So there's risk. So one of the things that I'm seeing is, for organizations to not just jump on this bandwagon because it's not sustainable. As soon as your fixed cost base increases, Mm. you become very vulnerable as an organization as things start to dip and particularly if if the revenue and your profits aren't increasing at the same level. Mm. So we know that we can't do that. So the big question is how how do we overcome this when we're competing against money? I think for the first time, this is where the role of bearable remuneration or incentive schemes is actually becoming much more attractive to organisations and more applicable to a greater spread of roles. Previously, Mm -hmm. it may may have been something that was available just to senior or high-value people. Now it's something that organisations are looking at across the board. And the concept here is one of mitigating the risk. And -hmm. what I mean by that is if you can keep your fixed remuneration within the appropriate salary bands – And Fair. So it may mean that you need to increase slightly, but you don't want to do silly things, but then create a very clean model whereby your applicants know or your current people know that they can earn well above market average through a variable piece, you create a win win situation whereby the individual can earn more if they're performing and their department's performing and the company's performing mm. and the organisation also wins as well because it's directly linked to their profitability.
0: Interesting. Well, it, it pays for it then. It, it pays for variable. Absolutely. So I think that REM strategy would be a podcast of itself. Absolutely. It's a topic all on its own. Yes, I think that you have given us such interesting insights today, Trudy, into what's going on in the market, that war for talent, that challenge not so much that people are looking for the candidates who are already looking for jobs. Mm -hmm. People are looking for candidates who are currently working for you and are currently your very best people. So what you've talked to us about with attracting the right talent is taking a marketing approach. What's your ideal candidate look like and where do they hang out and how can you appeal to them? And then a a great conversation about the different ways that organizations can look to retain those team members that they have. And I think that that's been a, a once around what's going on in the world of work right now from a talent perspective, but your expertise and insights have been so valuable Trudy as always. And Trudy McDonald, thank you very much for joining us on Tech Live. My
1: pleasure. Thanks, Stephanie. Discover more about tech at tech.com.au.